Before we get started this morning, I just wanted to just take a minute and thank everybody who was such a huge part of our Bennington Days uh, celebration last weekend. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we had more runners at the Spy Run than we ever had. We increased by 50%. We had 184 runners uh, come out. So that was amazing. And we had great volunteers that helped set up. We had a great parade. Uh, we had uh, the Friday night flicks invitations. We handed out over 500 of those in the parade, just up and down, handing them out. So we want to thank those volunteers. And then our community worship was just a wonderful celebration of a community coming together. And as many people told me, this is not a typical thing when all of the churches in one community come together. So thank you for coming, for, for being a part of that and helping us with our kingdom vision of just bringing community together to know Jesus Christ. So thank you for that. Now, summer is a, is a great season. It's a time for, you know, no school. It's a time for staying up late. It's a time for a lot of things. But my favorite part of the summer are the movies. I love going to movies. I love summer movies. I don't care how bad they are. I'm going to go to movies. And clearly the biggest movie of this entire summer has been Avengers Endgame. How many people have seen Avengers Endgame at some point? So a lot of people have seen that movie. And it's a great movie. It's breaking records. They say it may reach $3 billion before it's all done. So it's shattering records across the, across the world, really. And, and I don't know if you'd call Avengers Endgame a sequel because there's been quite a few, but it definitely is building upon all of the movies over the last 10 years that have come up. And so it was a great movie. And sometimes sequels are really good, and sometimes sequels are really bad, and sometimes sequels should just never, ever be made. And so I did a little research, and these are true sequels that had scripts they actually had scripts, but thankfully they never were made. The first one was E.T. 2. All of us grew up with a lovable E.T. movie. There was a script for E.T. 2 in which E.T. turns kind of evil and the, the entire world gets invaded by a bunch of mean E.T.'s. Can you imagine if they made that movie? It would destroy the first movie. Nobody would ever want to see that movie. Now, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, for some of us, that was a, a great movie. It was an awesome movie. Well, there was a script for Ferris Bueller's Day Off too, And this is when Ferris is all grown up and decides to take a day off of work and go cause hooky or cause problems or play hooky. And I thought, well, don't we all do that anyway? We don't need a movie to help us understand that. And then the other script that they had was Mrs. Doubtfire. How many people saw Mrs. Doubtfire at some point, right? That movie is one of our favorites. It's a great well, the sequel was that, that Robin Williams would don new gear to make him look like a lady and would follow his daughter to college. Now, I love the concept of following my daughter to college. Don't get me wrong. I, I know my daughter would be thrilled if I could follow her to college. I know that's every daughter's dream for that. But thankfully, none of these sequels were ever made. And, and sometimes, though, we, we have to understand that sequels aren't always good, but sometimes they're really good. And if you remember, we've been studying something called All In, where we focused on the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And that's great, but there's not a sequel, but a follow-up to that. There's a continuation of that like the Avengers. And the second part of that is to love your neighbor as yourself. The first part, we think like, I think I can do that. I think I can love God. I can be all in on loving God, but don't ask me to love other people because that can get messy. 
That can get really hard because we're messy people. So how do we love other people when it can be really, really hard? And so that's what we're going to kind of begin today and go through for the next few weeks. We're going to call it All In Part 2. And uh, we're going to talk about how do we love other people. So we're going to begin today by looking at a passage in Romans 12. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up. If you've got your phone, pull it up. If you don't have either, you can just look up. And we'll have it on the screen here. But the book of Romans, Paul is really building on the, the salvific work of Jesus Christ coming out of the Old Testament and what the Old Testament taught about the Messiah. And the book of Romans does a great job of encapsulating the gospel and kind of really breaking out Christian doctrine. Chapter 11 talks about the righteousness of God. And as we move in now to chapter 12, it's talking about righteousness in everyday life. What does it look like to live a life that, that honors God? So let's take a look here. We're going to start. I'm going to back up to verse 9, but really we're going to look at verses 10 through 16. It said, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. When we look at this verse, one of the things that I hope jumps out at you in this verse is right off the top how Paul is saying the look out for number one mentality that exists not just in our culture and our time, but really through all of time is really put in the crosshairs. Because we live in a culture that always says, look out for number one, look out for yourself. But what Paul is saying is that if we want to be all in as a Christ follower, it's not just about loving God. We have to love other people. In fact, it's more than love. See, love can be an arbitrary thing. We can say what we're doing is showing love, but somebody else could say it doesn't feel like love. So Paul makes it very clear. We have to do something that's even more palpable than love. Devotion. Paul says, be devoted to one Another. You can't fake devotion. You may be able to fake love, but you can't fake devotion because devotion takes action. Devotion takes intentionality. So what Paul is saying is be devoted. And the way that we're devoted is that we honor one another above ourselves. We look to the interests of other people before we look to the interests of ourselves. And if we're honest, that is not our natural inclination. That's not who we are. We have kind of been conditioned as people since the fall to look out for ourselves, to not be concerned about other people. So now here comes Paul saying, if you want to be all in, if you want to be a Christ follower, you can't just stop at loving God. You've got to love other people. And that love is seen through devotion. And when we love other people and we're devoted to other people, do you know what that means? That means we accept each other's shortcomings. We accept each other's flaws. We accept each other's quirks. We accept that everybody isn't going to think like us or act like us or live like us. But if we are all in as a Christ follower, we will love them. We will be devoted to them in a way that says, you will see the love of Jesus from me towards you. That's hard. But when we are devoted to people, not only do we show them the love of Jesus, but we reflect the heart of Jesus. 
We reflect who Jesus was. Jesus loved people. Jesus forgave people. Jesus was serving people who clearly were not living like him or for him. But he was devoted to loving you and I. The other thing that it does is that when you truly release yourself from that me first mentality and really begin to say, Lord, I want to love people. I want to be devoted to other people. You will get to experience an intimacy with God that you have never had. God won't seem like he's far away. God will seem like he's right next to you. When you begin to love other people and you are devoted to loving other people, you will have a spiritual intimacy with God that will change your heart. You will also understand God's kingdom plan. We talk about the kingdom and God's kingdom plan. We think, well, what is that? When we start loving other people, and I mean loving people without reciprocation, it's easy to love people you know are going to love you back. That's easy. But can you love somebody that will never love you back? Can you love somebody that may reject the love you offer them? That is being all in. So Paul says, love other people, be devoted, honor one another's above yourself. That is so hard to do. And that's why Paul says you need to pray about this. You and I cannot muster the love or the devotion to love other people in a God-honoring way. We have limitations to how we can love one another. Our sinfulness, our, our fleshliness, we cannot love people in a God-honoring way unless God gives us the love inside us. We have a limit. And so Paul says, be prayerful. Say, God, give me the ability to love this person. Give me the ability to be devoted to this person in a way that would honor you because we can't do that. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, we will never, ever, ever love God and love other people the way that we're called to. So Paul says, be in prayer. Honor one another above yourself. And you know how you can tell if you are really loving others and you're devoted to others. Paul says it right here. He says, never be lacking zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. If you are saying, I'm excited because I want to serve somebody. I'm excited because I know if I can forgive this person or love this person or show devotion to this person, they may come to see Jesus Christ. That's when we know the Holy Spirit is working in us. When we begin to develop a mindset and an outlook that says, I want to love other people with the love of Jesus. But it's hard. It's hard because life is messy and people hurt us. And people don't respect us and people don't treat us that way. That's why we don't have the capacity. That's why we go and say, God, please help me have the love to love these people. We can't do it. He says, be devoted to one another another. It's hard. But if you and I want to be all in, we just can't say, well, I love God. Oh, I love me some God. But I don't like these people. They're mean to me. Then we're not all in. Paul says, be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. The second thing he says is that love can't just be a thought, can't just be a feeling, can't just be words. It has to be actions. And so he says, here's what you need to do. Number one, he says, share with those in need. Number two, practice hospitality. And number three, he says, engage with people emotionally. Share with other people. Give to those who are in need. Do you know what the early church was known for? They were known for making sure that anybody who had a need, it was met. If somebody needed food, they got it. If somebody needed shelter, they got it. If somebody needed clothes, they got it. The early church was known to say, if there was a need, the church will meet it. 
We are called to share with people out of our time, our talent, and our resources. Everybody has time. How are we allotting it? Are we allotting it for us or are we allotting it for God? Everybody has abilities. Everybody's been blessed with something. How are you using your God-given talents? Whatever it may be, is it to honor other people and to honor God? And what resources do you have? Your home, your finances, your vehicles, whatever it is. Are you using what you've got to help those who are in need? If we want to be all in, that's how we show devotion and love to people is that we give out of what we have. Paul says, share with those in need. See, what will happen is when we put other people first and we love other people, what we're really showing people is that we love God. Because remember, the great commandment is love the Lord first and then love your neighbor. But when we love our neighbor, what we're really doing is we're loving the Lord. People see us loving them, but we're really loving God. So Paul says, share with those in need. And he says, practice hospitality. We sometimes think that hospitality is just about food and beverage. And that's part of it, but that's not what this word hospitality means. This word means that you intentionally seek other people to share and show them the love of Jesus. That's hospitality. Don't get me wrong. It's great when we've got food. And it's awesome when we have that. But we must be more than that if we're going to be devoted to one another in love. Do you know how you know that you have the gift of biblical hospitality? Is that you have people over to your house and the dishes are piled this high in your sink. Because we all stuff things in one room or one closet in our house, right? Because we want everybody to think that our house is always this neat. It's never this neat. True biblical hospitality is, I don't care what my house looks like. I care about you. I'm glad that you're here. I want you to come over. See, we've got to be more than just open-hearted. We've got to be open-handed. We've got to open our hearts, our hands, and our homes if we want to practice biblical hospitality so that other people can know the love of Jesus Christ. Because if we want to be all in, we can't just say, I love God, but I don't have to deal with anybody else. Christians are not in a silo. Christians are, are not in isolation. We are supposed to be engaging with people, particularly people who don't know Jesus. You can't say, I practice hospitality. I have my church friends over all the time. That's great, but what about the people who don't know Jesus? How are they going to know Jesus if we aren't practicing hospitality, if we aren't sharing with those who are in need? And the last thing that Paul says, we need to engage with one another emotionally. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. How often do we just stay on the surface level? We say to people, how you doing? And we go, good, fine. How are things? Busy. Meanwhile, a life is crumbling because we're not engaging with one another. Look, we need to celebrate with each other. When somebody has a, a mountaintop moment, that job came through, something happened good in their marriage, something happened good with kids, let's celebrate that. And also let's walk together in those really hard moments because we show the love of Jesus. And, and if we don't do that, maybe we don't know God as well as we should. Listen to what the prophets say about God. Nehemiah says, but you are a forgiving God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Joel says, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Jonah says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. 
See, we are a family. And guess what? On Father's Day, our Heavenly Father is compassionate and loving and slow to anger. And he relents from sending calamity. That's what people need to see in us. If we're going to be devoted, if we're going to love one another the way that God calls us to, we can't have a me first mentality. We can't just look out for number one. We've got to say, I'm going to love other people with open hearts, open hands, and open homes, and I'm going to do life with people. I'm going to engage. That's why our small groups are so important. So important because we do life. That's why being a part of our men's ministry and our women's ministry are so important because you can have people walk with you through the valley and cheer with you on the mountaintop. And if we want to be all in, I mean really all in, when Jesus comes, he can say, yes, well done, good and faithful servant. He will say, I know you love me, but did you love others? See, Scripture gives us this command. Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus gave us a command. It's not optional. You can't say, but Jesus, they're mean. Jesus says, yeah, love them anyway. Love them. That's how people will know that we are all in as a Christ follower. When we love people who don't love us back. Love will change your heart. Love will overcome any circumstances. If we truly love other people, two things will happen. Number one, God will be glorified. God will be glorified. Number two, people will come to Jesus. People don't come to Jesus because they hear a pastor give a sermon. People come to Jesus when we love them without any expectation in return. People step back and say, why would you love me like that? You don't know me or, or I don't agree with you. And you say, because you know what? Jesus loves me. I want to love you. That will change a heart. I bet you every one of us has somebody in here right now in our life that we are mad at. Somebody that has hurt us. Somebody that has disappointed us. Somebody that has frustrated us. Love them. Love them. It's hard, it's messy, it's not natural, it's awkward. But if you love them, not only will it change them, it will change you. It will absolutely change you. I can tell you this from personal experience. I was very angry at somebody for a very long time. They had intentionally hurt me. They went out of their way to hurt me. And I saw them at an event. And I was mad. And I was going to go up and I was going to tell them some things. And then God said, no, 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 you're going to do something different. You're going to go up and you're just going to say hello and shake their hand. And I said, no, God, I'm not going to do that. And God said, oh, really, you're not going to do that. Watch this. And I saw this person. I was going up and I was getting ready to, yeah, I'm going to tell you what I think. And I stuck my hand out and I said, hey, good to see you. How are you? I was like, man, how did that just happen? I did not want to do that. I had a whole speech, but I've been preparing for a long time to tell this person. But can I tell you what happened in that moment? I was released. I didn't have the anger anymore. You see, when you love other people, it changes you, not just the other person. See, the last thing that, that Paul says in here, and this is the hard part to me, it's about attitude. Attitude determines your altitude. I had a poster in my room my mother gave me when I was a kid. Your attitude determines your altitude. How high you will go will be determined by your attitude. So Paul says here, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And that's a hard one because none of us want to admit that we're proud. None of us want to admit that we're conceited, but all of us will go, yeah, I'm not going to hang out with them. <laughs> I don't think so. 
And that's what Paul is saying is you can't love other people if you think you're better than other people. How can you love people like Christ if you refuse to hang around them because of whatever characteristic that you feel they're lacking? Education, social skills, whatever it is. If we're truly going to love people and be all in as a Christ follower, we got to make sure our attitude is right. You can fake an attitude and nobody will ever know. Nobody will know if you're faking it. God does. God knows if our attitude is genuine in loving people versus I'm just going to make sure they think that I like them, but I can't stand them. God knows our attitude. If we're conceited, if we're too proud to hang out with somebody, well, they don't have the education that I have. They couldn't engage in this conversation. If we're so proud, then we're not all in. Now think about this. If we think we're too good, how do you think Jesus must feel when God said, guess what? You're going there. What? You're going to hang out with those people. They're a wreck, but you're going to go down there and you're going to die for them. He must have been like, are you kidding me? These bozos down here? Jesus associated with us because he loved us, because he was devoted to us, because he died for us. Listen to what scripture says right here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Jesus loved us. Jesus was devoted to us. Jesus was never too proud to be with us. And so if we think that we're too proud or too good to be with somebody, how can we really be all in? You can't say, I love God, but I don't want to hang out with these people. I love God, but I don't think they're worth my time. Then we're not all in. We've got to love other people. No matter who they are, no matter what they think, we've got to love them. Now, as many of you know, before God called me into ministry, um, I worked in sports. And so I worked in pro sports and the arena that the, that the Magic played and also hosted concerts. And so whenever there was a concert, we would always get an email saying, hey, here's what's happening. And so I remember one time we got an email and it said, you can't go in this area of the arena or that area of the arena, which, which made sense. But it's the rest of the email that really impacted me. It said, if you are walking in the hallways and you see the artist performing, you are forbidden to make eye contact with this artist. Do not look at this artist. Look away, look down, but do not make eye contact. Wow, like, what is that? I mean, I can't even look, so I should walk into a wall or something if I see this person? I was stunned by this. I later found out, because every musical act has what's called a rider. And that's kind of a contract, they want the water this way, or they want this, that. This particular artist said, I want M&Ms in all the dressing rooms, but no brown M&Ms. What? Whose job was it to go through the M&Ms and pick out the brown ones? I mean, they're chocolate-covered goodness. How could anybody not like M&Ms? But you know what it made me and all of the other staff people feel like? We're not good enough. We're not worthy to even look this person in the eye because they're an artist and they're performing. And they weren't that big a deal, in my opinion. <laughs> Just saying. If you want to know after service coming, I'll tell you who it was. But sometimes, you know what? 
we make people feel like that. We make people feel like they're not good enough because, oh, you don't go to church. Or, oh, you don't live here. Oh, you don't drive that. Oh, you don't have that education. Sometimes we make people feel like they're not worthy. And what we're saying is we're too good for you. And if we want to be all in, nobody is better than us. Look, we're all sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. Whether you live in a big house or whether you live under a bridge. Whether you drive a nice car or whether you have no car. We're all sinners. Saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, which we're called to share with one another, to be devoted to one another, to love one another. See, when we don't love other people and we just say, I love God and that's enough, there's a disconnect and a discord that happens between us and God. God will feel very distant to us if we don't love other people the way he's called us to. If we're not devoted to other people, how can we be devoted to God? Look, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying it's not messy. But what the Bible is saying is we're called and commanded to do it. That's hard. Trust me. I know. I wanted to go up and give that person a piece of my mind. But God said, give him a piece of my heart. Now, I don't know if that person will ever recognize or respond, but it doesn't matter anymore because I did what God told me to and I didn't want to do it. And God released me. So I want to encourage you. Maybe you've got some anger in your heart towards somebody, or maybe you think you should never speak to that person, if God opens that door, share the love of Jesus, even if it's a handshake with them. You'll be released. I want to I read you one last part of Scripture. Just to, I want you to really hear this from 1 John. It says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. If you remember nothing else from this, remember God says we have to love other people. And that's hard. We can't just say, look, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and mind. I do, I do. But do you love others the way God calls us to? I want to ask our worship team to come back up. I want to give you three things to kind of think about, kind of talk about maybe over Father's Day lunch or if you talk to a family today, but this. Are you devoted or devoid and loving others like Christ? Are you truly devoted? Say, I'm going to love other people no matter how hard. Or are you just devoid of loving people like Jesus? Say, I'll just love them the way I want. Number two, are your heart and home open-handed towards others? Do you look at your home as your sanctuary or do you look at your home as God's sanctuary? A place where people can come and experience Christ. And number three, do you avoid or associate with people who are different from you? Do you say, I don't want to be with them? Or do you say, Lord, I will be with whomever you bring into my life and I will love them with your love? If we want to be all in, we can't just stop with loving God. We've got to love others. And when we love others, we're really loving God. Amen?